And we were on a long walk and I had like a really strong contraction. And uh, Nick asked me if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And he's like, what happens if you go into labor like when we're on our walk? I was like, we just walk back, like it's fine. And um, <laughs> so he was just like, you know, like, okay, you <laughs> clearly got this. And he would joke that one day I he would just like, I would wake him up in the middle of the night and be like, the baby's here, like holding the baby. <laughs> because I was so like, fully confident like that everything was going to go fine that my whole my body like knew what to do he was like you're literally just gonna like birth the baby by yourself (laughs) it's kind of you know and that's just like kind of how I am as a person welcome to the happy home birth podcast your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support education and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood do you picture surrounding you when you give birth? Or do you picture anyone else besides your spouse? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 131 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with Noelle Kowalski, whom you may know as Noelle Covery on Instagram. She's a functional therapy nutritional practitioner, an Ayurvedic practitioner, a holistic health coach, business owner, and she gave birth to her first baby with her husband and no one else. This episode is so amazing, and it covers some incredible topics like healing from medical injuries, working on your fertility, and of course, giving birth at home. Take a screenshot of you listening into this episode and tag Happy Home Birth Podcast and Noelle Covery and let us know your favorite takeaway. Now, before we jump in, I would love to take a moment to thank our reviewer of the week, and that is Sarah GB, who says... Empowering and encouraging, this podcast is a must-listen for anyone who is thinking of doing a home birth or is preparing for one. It's non-judgmental, very informative, and makes women feel empowered to make the choices that best fit them. As a 17-year-old doula in training, I find this podcast very helpful for resources and extra information around home birth. I want home births for all my kids someday. Thank you, Caitlin, for this amazing podcast and bringing women together to share their birth stories. Sarah, thank you so much for this review. I'm so excited for you as a doula in training, and I would love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. So if you'll email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, we will get that sent to you. Okay, finally, before we head in, here's some really exciting news. This episode was sponsored by Baby Trend and the Cover Me 4-in-1 Convertible Car Seat. I opted to skip the newborn car seat with my second daughter, and this car seat is so unique in that it addresses the number one complaint by experienced mothers, sun in your baby's eyes. The Cover Me seat is able to do this with its integrated canopy that offers height adjustability, ratcheting coverage, and side sun protection. The Cover Me has a usage rating from 4 to 100 pounds, so you can install it for your infant and adjust it as your child grows from rear-facing to forward-facing all the way up to belt positioning booster. It's got a recline system that allows your child to find a comfortable position, and it's designed to take up a limited amount of space even in the rear-facing position. 
And it's got some super cool features that help make life easier for mom and kiddo, including a no twist harness indicator, a no rethread harness, and a comfort cabin, which is its multi-layered padding system, letting your baby or child feel snug and secure. So go to babytrend.com forward slash OSSA and use the code COVERME20 for your new convertible car seat. Okay, let's jump in. Please remember the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Noelle, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am a huge fan of yours, so I am extra excited. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, would you take a moment to just introduce yourself to the listeners here at the beginning? Yeah, of course. So my name is Noelle Covery. That's my maiden name. My married name is Noelle Kowalski, and I am a functional therapy, nutritional practitioner, Ayurvedic practitioner, holistic health coach, and my husband and I own a non-toxic, all-organic beauty company, and we have online courses that we teach people how to heal their metabolisms, their digestion, um, uh, hair loss, and we're currently working on um, a fertility course. So I'm kind of like a practitioner turned full-time mommy. So my uh, Instagram account and my platform has really turned into more of a uh, sharing for helping people when I can. And um, you can find information on my platform about metabolism, thyroid health, digestion, nutrition, beauty, and just overall wholesome living. So that's a little synopsis of who I am. Which is kind of amazing because it's like, and these are all my side gigs. I'm a full-time mom. Yeah. <laughs> I do this on the side. Like no big deal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting is because when I was pregnant, I thought that I was going to like delete my Instagram um, and like be off of social media completely. So uh, I was sort of like preparing myself for that. And then I, the, the pandemic happened and I decided that it was actually really nice to stay on there. I just needed to adjust like how I was using the platform and putting my energy into it. And then once I did that, I felt really good about staying on it. I'm super glad that you stayed because I have learned so much from you and it's interesting you were my first like touch point into learning about healing my metabolism. My friend sent me a like a one of your stories about egg yolk coffee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, as you certainly know has gone viral, but oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> it's hilarious because like I watched this cool little like tutorial and you take an egg yolk and sugar and and like I watched and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that looks so good." And then I texted my friend back. I was like, "But no way on the sugar, right?" Like <laughs> And then now here I am like, "Oh no, sugar's great. Like let's put some sugar in it." And I make my egg yolk coffee all the time. So Thank you for opening yeah. up a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny with the egg yolk coffee. Like there's so many different reels. I haven't made one or anything because I just don't have a lot of time to do that. But I see so many people doing it and I'm like, that's awesome. I think it's so great that people are now like banning the fear of like the sugar and the raw egg yolk because that's such like a nutrient packed um, little drink in the morning. Plus the caffeine, like it's definitely good for any mom. <laughs> 
Absolutely. So I would love to hear your health journey. Obviously you have so much experience in all of these natural and holistic healing backgrounds. What was your journey like? How did, how did you become this? <laughs> it's kind of a long one, but I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> so I, I got really sick when I was in high school. I was about 13, turning 14. Um, I was diagnosed with a rare kidney disorder. I was um, harmed by the HPV vaccine and just misdiagnosed for a very long time. And my health suffered greatly. I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, Hashimoto's. Um, I had basal cell skin cancer. I had tumors. I, I had so many different things that I just like didn't really even know where to start with my health, but I knew that nutrition need to, needed to be addressed. And I was was um, a competitive athlete, a competitive rower. And when I got sick, my whole entire health changed, my life changed. So I was already really focused on nutrition, but I knew I needed to focus on it from a more holistic view. So I started working with um, chiropractors and started studying on my own. And then I ended up going to school for Ayurvedic medicine, holistic nutrition, bioenergetic nutrition. And like my journey kind of evolved from my own experience. So what I was learning, I was also experimenting on myself. And that led me into choosing what, like the next um, school or like school of thought I was going to study was going to be. Um, and I ultimately healed my body to, you know, and we're all, we're always healing. So I'm continuously healing my body, um, but healed it to the point where I think that I was probably in a higher percentage of healthy than most average people would be. Um, and I did that all through lifestyle diet, um, you know, using different herbal allies to help with um, healing from the HPV vaccine and, Ultimately, that just like led me into doing all of it as a profession. That's and, amazing. Um, yeah, and and that's kind of where the passion comes from with helping people because I do know that, I mean, I was mistreated, I was misdiagnosed, I was like uh, abused within the medical system, and not everyone has that experience, but a lot of people do, and so I really just wanted to give people another route to go, and you know more more or less inspiration to drive their own um, force in trying to discover the information I already knew. Because I think that, you know, that's one of the things within the healing journey is like you can hear all of it, but unless you start experimenting with it for yourself, um, it's really hard to believe it. And it's hard to actually heal yourself. You can't just like go, okay, I'm just going to follow this diet or this thing or that thing. You have to know what's going on with the body. And so that's kind of where I'm at now in terms of teaching people on my platform is how the body works and how you can use these specific tools to assist you in your healing. That's so amazing. And I'd love to know how long do you think it took you, especially in relation to, you know, healing from the harm that was caused through this HPV vaccine, which I have been trying to heal myself from for the last decade. How long do you feel like that healing process took to like really to feel strongly healed? And what do you think some of the main factors were in your healing process? Like what helped you the most? 
So I think that everyone that, you know, who is like harmed from a vaccine, specifically the HPV vaccine, you know, everyone's reactions are going to be different. And that's also because of their state of health and like where they're at uh, metabolically, how um, people, how much like endotoxin load people are carrying, you know, their, their iron in their body. Like there's just so many factors that go into what your reaction is going to be and like how long it's going to take you to heal. It took me roughly like 10 years, I would say, to like fully recover from it. Um, And of course, there's things that like for me, one of my symptoms was I had abscesses in my teeth after the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And um, I had like five teeth extracted and I had like a severe infection in my sinus cavity that was going towards my brain out of nowhere, like perfectly healthy teeth. Then, you know, that happens. And, um, And so I think that for me, there's the, you know, there's teeth that are now that I don't have because they they were removed and I have fake teeth. But so although I've healed in a lot of ways, that's something I'll never get back, you know? So I don't really know how that is affecting my health long-term. And I guess I'll find out later in my life. But what I do know is that I, I try to do everything I can to mitigate any of those harmful effects and those things that I can't really, um, write. (laughs) Right. Uh, So for me, It did take me a long time in terms of feeling fully like energized, no fatigue, no period symptoms, because that's something that's very common with the HPV vaccine is like extreme fatigue, um, horrible, horrible periods, vomiting, like diarrhea, sort of like IBS symptoms. And I mean, I would say that the bulk of my healing happened within like the first couple of years, but then there were still things like it wasn't, I wasn't always feeling good. Um, So yeah, it it took me quite a bit of time um, to kind of correct that. But the main things that I focused on were reducing my endotoxin load through diet. You know, I recommend the raw carrot salad. I think that uh, activated coconut charcoal can be very beneficial. And all these things I'm going to mention, I do think that you should work one-on-one with somebody um, to, to, for your specific case, because it's going to be different for everyone. Um, but, you know, reducing uh, the heavy metals in my body just by supporting the natural detox pathways in the body, um, you know, getting enough protein to support my liver function, supporting my thyroid by eating regularly, um, and consuming all of the right nutrients, consuming nutrient dense foods. And all those things are relatively like simple, but they work. They're effective because the body knows what to do to expel toxins. The body knows what to do to heal. You just need to give it what it needs to do that. Um, and then there were some herbs that I, and adaptions that I've used over the years that really helped me like reishi mushroom and um, KSM 66 ashwagandha. Pine pollen is a great one. And actually uh, pine pollen, um, like, like essential oil and the resin can be helpful for like protecting you right now from like shedding symptoms, you know, that are kind of going on. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, um, so that, that, you know, that in itself is, is very beneficial. Um, making sure that I was getting adequate minerals through my diet, but also through supplementation, I take, um, magnesium bicarbonate and I used to take, um, a different brand, but now I take mitigate stress. They have a master mineral drink, which I love and it has sodium, 
potassium and calcium and it's just such a wonderful drink i wish i had it years ago <laughs> but now they have it so i think that's um, a really great tool i've taken shibajit for a number of years and that really helps in assisting in sort of like the heavy metal detoxing in your body while also keeping your body mineralized and then i took baths with tons of epsom salt vitamin c and like vitamin c powder poured into the bath because that also helps to mitigate the iron in the water if because at the time I didn't have like a home water filter in like our bath and um, borax uh, food grade borax all in the bath and that really also assists the body red light therapy or just like getting out in the sun getting that um, natural vitamin d and infrared sauna all were very helpful with sort of promoting that natural detoxification. And then I did um, a Abhyanga massage every day, which is an Ayurvedic body massage. And it focuses on the lymphatic system and supporting that naturally um, and dry brushing. So <laughs> there's quite a few things in there, but I think people, you know, anyone that's listening to this that has experienced um, the HPV vaccine and are trying to heal from it, you know, just look into those things and see if you think that they would apply to you. And, you know, they're very mild. They're not, um, you know, super invasive ways of, you know, healing. So I think it'd be pretty safe for most people to try it out and see how it works for them. That's so fascinating. And it's kind of neat because, yeah, you yeah. you talked about a number of different things, but so much of the bulk of that all, you know, surrounds this healing of your metabolism and yeah. these nutrient-dense foods. It's not like, oh, well, I have to make sure that I get 5,000 foods in. No, like there mm -hmm. are a couple of highly packed nutrient-dense foods that we can focus on and that alone provides so much healing. So, it's, yeah. It sounds like a lot of different things, but really the bulk of it isn't that much. And then you get to experiment and add all of these different parts to it. Exactly. To what works for you. That's so helpful. And and that is helpful, I feel like, and I you can tell me if I'm wrong, but that seems to be helpful no matter what you're healing from, because mm -hmm. we're all healing from toxins, yes. from our environment. That sounds like the best game plan for any type of healing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the number one thing anyone can do is just support their body, um, their metabolism, their thyroid, their digestion by including those nutrient dense foods, which I talk about a lot on my platform. Um, and I do get a lot of questions like, why don't you eat like a ton of veggies? Like, aren't you worried about not having them? And, <laughs> but I think people have a misconception of, you know, what vegetables actually do, what they contain um, versus like these more animal based proteins and um, sort of like superfoods that can really, that you can't really compare like, you know, kale to liver <laughs> or so, you know so I don't I wouldn't say those are comparable at all but you know what I'm saying <laughs> you can't really compare the plant food to the animal food in that sense um I do think it's important that people educate themselves on you know how the food processes in the body what that you know food contains and what it's going to give your body rather than like it's high in antioxidants and it's this and it's that you know like look at it from a physiological point and see how it's going to affect your body. So 
yeah, I do think that those, those foods are super key in, in the healing. It's funny you say that inside of my childbirth education program, Happy Home Birth Academy, we have a nutrition module that's solely based on like Weston A. Price uh, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, concepts. And so like, I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about superfoods, but like, if you think I'm going to say chia seeds and you know, <laughs> like, you're yeah. in for a reckoning because we're talking about egg yolks and liver and raw yeah. milk and like, get ready. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so now that we are kind of hedging over to this pregnancy discussion, mm-hmm. I am super excited to talk about your pregnancy and labor and birth because you chose to have a free birth with your first child. And that concept, I mean, having a home birth alone can be so jarring to so many moms and think like they'll think, oh my gosh, but it's my first birth. You know, I can't have my baby yeah. at home for my first birth, but obviously that's not the case. And that's what, you know, we've done for centuries and you chose like, no, I'm confident in myself. I'm going to, to have a free birth. So I am so excited to dive into your story. Would you just tell us about your pregnancy leading up into labor? And then I'd love to hear the birth story. Yeah. So my pregnancy was pretty easy and pretty smooth. Um, you know, in the beginning I had a little bit of morning sickness in the first like six weeks, I increased like my topical dose of progesterone and I added in some vitamin B6 extra to help mitigate that. And then it kind of went away. So after that um, pregnancy was pretty smooth other than like the obvious discomforts of like growing a human, you know, like back aches and my hips expanding and (laughs) things that are totally normal that, you know, you just have to relax into. Um, But my husband and I had planned to do a home birth regardless. I've always wanted to do a home birth. And, you know, for me going through what I went through in the medical system, I knew absolutely I did not want to birth a child into that. Um, You know, everyone has their own experience with it. I was just fully confident that that the hospital couldn't give me what I needed versus like what I needed at home. Um, So I knew that when I was in high school. (laughs) So my plan was always home birth. I felt a lot of pressure to get a midwife from like my parents and my family. You know, it just was like, the thought of like a free birth, like wasn't really an option, you know? Mm -hmm. So we did interview one midwife and she knew absolutely nothing about physiology and she like, you know, she might've attended hundreds of births and like know what to do in the case of like an emergency, but really she didn't have like the type of knowledge that my husband and I did on, you know, nourishing a fetus, nourishing mother. And, um, I mean, really like relaxing the body through birth. I I was kind of shocked at that. So we left and I, and I felt really poorly about hiring a midwife. Mm. So, you know, we talked about it a lot and I just felt best thinking about no one being there, but us. And when I just fully decided and like surrendered to that idea of like, okay, we're going to do a free birth, every single stress and anxiety that I like that I thought could possibly go wrong with my birth went away. And so I knew it was the right decision for me because I went through and I, you know, I fully confronted every single thing that could have possibly went wrong with giving birth, you know, uh, and how I would handle it, how Nick would handle it. You know, we talked about it 
extensively about like, okay, if this happens, what would we do? You know, and I do think that it's really important to confront those things and sort of like as is them, you know, and see them for what they are. Uh, so you also don't like sort of manifest or postulate that those things are going to happen. So it's important that you don't ignore, you know, the possible things that could go wrong, but it's also important that you don't, you know, set yourself up for failure because you're so scared. Right. And that's one thing about birth is that I was not afraid. Like I absolutely knew that I had been through so much more pain in my life than something that's actually natural. Like the stuff that I went through when I was um, in high school and like the testing and, you know, I one at one point I was, you know, put into the emergency room and I was given an IV of uh, potassium straight intravenously. And like that felt like I was being, I mean, fire was being poured into my body. It was like the worst feeling of my life that there's, I had so much excruciating pain. Like I've had teeth ripped through my head. Like I knew that giving birth was going to be absolutely nothing compared to this like unnatural pain that I've experienced in my life. So I was not afraid of any sort of like quote unquote pain that women go through with giving birth. Um, So that was not a factor for me. Really what I was, what we were most concerned about was what do you do once the baby's born? Like, (laughs) how do you do, what do you do? Like, how do you handle it? Like, what does the, what does a midwife do? What does a doctor do? Like, you know, so we had to learn all about these um, things, which really wasn't like a a whole lot, uh, considering that we obviously like weren't going to be doing any sort of shots or testing or, you know, anything that's like, I guess what you generally do in the hospital or with a midwife. So, it was pretty simple for us. Um, so we had a plan. And the other thing was, is that for me, if something went wrong, whether the midwife was there or whether it was just us, I would go to the hospital. Mm. So I knew that, okay, well, she can't do anything basically that like we can't do. Um, so I mean, there's really no, there really was no purpose for her to be there. And when I was in labor, I was so happy that no one was there because, I was extremely relaxed. Like my labor was so quick, um, which I'll get into, but really that's how, kind of how we came to deciding on a free birth was because we just like weighed the pros and cons of everything, looked at the situation for what it was. And, you know, I really like intuitively felt that doing it by ourselves was going to be, you know, the most not, I wouldn't use the word natural, but most peaceful way to bring Olek into the world is just by it being us. And yeah, I'm really happy that that happened because it was the most serene experience of my life. I'd love to hear. So what kinds of things did you do? You know, you weighed these pros and cons. You knew like, okay, well, this is what a midwife would do if she were here. She's not going to be here. So this is what we will do. Like, did you have like, I don't know, herbs that you had prepared for like maybe too much bleeding or something like that? Or did you just feel like that's not, that's not something that we're going to to need to worry about? Yeah. In terms of like that kind of stuff, I just knew it wasn't something that we were going to need to worry about because, so that's the one thing that Nick and I did have a really good understanding of is what causes the excess bleeding, like what causes hemorrhaging, what causes tearing. And we know that it's stress. 
and we know what causes stress. You know, it can be a physical stress, obviously a physiological stress, but it can also be a spiritual stress, you know, spirit into the mind. And so if somebody is in the room, even if it's your husband and you're like mad at him or something, that can cause you stress, that can make you bleed. <laughs> so having like this knowledge of like what actually starts like the point of stress, you know, it made me very confident to know okay, that's not going to happen to me because one, if I have any, you know, overts on my husband, I'm going to tell him, <laughs> or I'm going to tell him what's wrong <laughs> beforehand, you know, which is something that we did do. We really got into a, a good place between us and um, set ourselves up for success in that realm. So like, I wasn't mad at him or like pissed about like, you didn't do this thing or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we talked about that and yeah, I mean, it was really just, I understood what can cause certain things and, and then it kind of all vanished. So I, like I said, the only thing that I really knew that could like go wrong, I really, there was nothing that could necessarily go wrong, I guess, because I had a really healthy pregnancy. Um, he, uh, Oleg was transverse at one point mm-hmm. and because of the t- pandemic and also not having a gynecologist, um, I, it, Nick flipped him just based off of just like massage, like a basic, you know, tummy massage. And then I did these exercises to like keep him head down and we learned how to like belly map which I think was really important. And then after like 30 weeks, he just stayed in that position. Oh, that's so yeah. interesting. So you you guys were kind of like palpating or belly mapping. So you knew exactly where mm-hmm. he was and you know what position he was in throughout your pregnancy. Yes. So I think those are those are important things to note is that we were very like on top of those things. You know, like it wasn't um a mystery to us. Like, is he right. going to come out first? You know, we knew he was coming out at first. Um, so we knew that. And I did get a sonogram, one sonogram at 18 weeks. So I knew that I didn't have placenta previa. I knew my placenta was in a great place. And I think that probably for my, you know, next births, like I'll do one sonogram too. Um, I don't think it's necessary for everyone, but for me, like, I, I, it was my first pregnancy. I was doing like a free birth. I was like, I think I want to like, maybe know something. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to get one. So I did get one. Um, and it was really quick. And so that, that was reassuring for me. And, uh, so I knew that my placenta was in the right place. I knew he was head down. So there wasn't much worry in like, in his positioning of things. Um, but I, I wasn't a lot of pain when he was transverse for a little while. I can imagine. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> yeah. a lot of baby for side to side. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. And I was at like 28 weeks at that point. And then we flipped him, Nick flipped him and then he stayed at 30 weeks, but I did have to like, basically like force head down I was like use this position where like my butt was in the air and I was like mm-hmm. kneeling on my my forearms and like forcing the gravity to push him there <laughs> every day and it worked so that was good for me <laughs> but if I if I if things were open and it wasn't like a pandemic I would have probably just gone to a chiropractor right to, like you know because they can do that too mm-hmm. yeah oh that that makes so much sense so okay yeah. so you guys have you've made the decision you're having a free birth you're prepared you're feeling confident 
what was it like going into labor and how did that all transpire? Yeah. So um, it was an interesting thing deciding to free birth because I didn't tell anyone. It was just Nick and I who knew. So I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone. Everyone thought we had a midwife. I didn't tell my parents that I had a free birth until they came to see Oleg. <laughs> because I, I know I just really didn't want anyone else's worries to be projected onto me. And I really had to set those boundaries. And, you know, it was just like, it's Nick and I, we were starting our family and this is between us. Like it was my body, my baby, my choice. So I really just wanted to protect us. And I'm glad that I did because I don't think that anyone would have been able to like handle that. And given now and like how great my birth was, how extremely radiant Olek is, I'm pretty sure that like anyone that knows me would be like, oh, okay, cool. You're doing another free birth. <laughs> but I needed that to, to, to protect myself. So I woke up, uh, I was like, you know, my sleep was sort of like erratic the last week of pregnancy. I was having like Braxton Hicks contractions for quite a while. Like we, I would walk like four to six miles a day throughout my entire pregnancy. And we were on a long walk and I had like a really strong contraction and uh, Nick asked me if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And he's like, what happens if you go into labor? Like when we're on our walk, I was like, we just walk back. Like, it's fine. And um, <laughs> so he was just like, you know, like, okay, you <laughs> clearly got this. And he would joke that one day I he would just like, I would wake him up in the middle of the night and be like, the baby's here, like holding the baby. <laughs> because I was so like fully confident, like that everything was going to go fine. That my whole, my body like knew what to do. He was like you're literally just gonna like birth the baby by yourself <laughs> it's kind of you know it, and that's just like kind of how I am as a person um so I woke up in the morning and I felt like the contractions were not Braxton Hicks anymore you know they were stronger and I just knew intuitively that like the baby was coming I was like he or she is coming we didn't know um for sure if we were having a boy or a girl so I was like, today's the day, like it's going to happen at some point. So I did text my mom and I was like, I think I'm going to go into labor today. Like I'm having contractions. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just like got the house ready. I, you know, I cleaned the bathroom. I set up the bedroom. Like I had like, you know, all these like pads on the bed, towels, like, cause you know, I didn't want to like stain our bed. And I knew it was going to birth in the bathtub, but it was just like for afterwards. Like I got my postpartum kit together, like next to the the toilet. So like everything was like easy. Um, I ate a lot of food. I made sure like I consumed a ton of food. I made like some, um, labor like lemonades and tea and stuff. And we did, uh, we did like a partial Lotus birth, um, with the placenta. So I did get that together. I had like Epsom salts and different herbs to cure the placenta. And I had like an old pillowcase that like I wrapped it in so I had like the stainless steel bowl and the strainer together for the placenta and just that kind of stuff and during that time Nick was like making some product like skincare product and he like went to the park and like worked out with his friend like came back I like took a couple naps you know it was like a really sort of regular day and um so by the time it was like 10 p.m I would say that the contractions got a little bit stronger and I was like all right you know I think it's we're coming up on like the I'm gonna be in full-on active labor part and so uh, at midnight Nick filled up the bathtub and I had a contraction that like 
brought me to my knees. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like we're in active labor, I think. <laughs> Ooh, I, think I think we're here. And um, so I got in the bathtub and then like the contractions were so erratic. They were like 10 minutes, like one minute. It was just, you know, and some were like really strong and some were not. So I was just kind of like chilling in the bathtub and we had candles lit and we had this um, Native American flute music playing and we had uh, incense going and Nick was like giving me a essential oil of like bergamot to smell because that's like my favorite and we were just talking a little bit and then also being silent and I would say that at like 1 1 a.m is when I was in like full-on active labor and right before uh, right before that I got out of the tub because I had to pee and I went to the toilet and I peed and I saw like my mucus plug come out and then I was like, okay, so now, now I think we're, <laughs> we're in action. And then pretty much like five minutes later, I was in active labor and I had like five really, really strong contractions. And, um, at one point I was like, I think I don't want to labor in the tub. I think I want to labor in the floor. So I got out of the tub and then I had a really strong, like a huge contraction that brought me to my, my knees. And then I was like, no, 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 let's get back in the tub. <laughs> the tub is better the tub is better so I get back in the tub and um I'm squatting in the tub and right after that I had another contraction and I felt down and I could feel um the head coming out and like I basically just told Nick like okay this is it like the baby's coming can you can you catch him and uh and he was like okay and so like I just took a deep breath and relax my whole body and pretty much like surrendered to that final contraction and I felt like what everyone calls like the ring of fire and my body just pushed him out like I didn't do anything and he Nick kind of guided him through the water and that that was it like my body just pushed him out and it was so easy so my active labor was from 1 a.m to like 1 23. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so it was really, really fast. And so he was born in the amniotic sac, um, which is why my water never broke. Cause I, you know, my mom had asked me, did your water break? And I was like, I don't know. I peed a lot. <laughs> she was like, no, it's a different feeling. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Not yet. But I really wasn't focused on that. Cause I also knew that, you know, my water could break while I was in active labor. It could not, you know, so I wasn't really focused on that at all. And, um, and he, so Nick picked Oleg up and he was not in the sack anymore. Cause he went through the water and handed him right to me. And, his eyes were open and he just was looking straight at me and I just did like a quick like sweep inside his mouth with my finger and I blew into his mouth um with my mouth just to make sure that he was breathing because he wasn't crying he was just like staring at me <laughs> and um and then I brought him to my chest and he latched within like the first two minutes of being alive wow yeah yeah and then um and then I, I was holding him in the tub 
And I just said to Nick, like, I want to birth the placenta now. And he's like, okay. I was like, okay, so I'm going to do it. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I basically, I mean, I felt like around and I could feel that it was pretty much ready to come out. And so I kind of like pushed a little bit and it came right out. Nick picked it up out of the tub and into the stainless steel strainer and just inspected it to make sure it was all intact. Nothing was like left inside me. And so it was all good. And then, um, and then we kind of sat in the tub for a little while. And then, um, I, I washed off my body and, um, and then Nick actually wrapped the placenta in the, the encasing that I had set up and we've, moved to the bed and it kind of that, that was kind of it <laughs> and then baby was here and and Olek was totally healthy and just like so cute and moving around and um he didn't cry until we tried to weigh him because <laughs> <laughs> we had like a scale and we tried to weigh him and then he cried and we we're like okay he's not into this <laughs> He's like a real free birth baby. He doesn't like anything. Near yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. And it's so funny. Cause like, as like a child, he is that way too. He's like, no, I'm a free spirit. Get out of here. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, and yeah, that was, that was pretty much my birth. And then with the placenta, we left it on, um, for about like, uh, I don't know, 24, almost 48 hours. And then we burned it off with um, a, ca a candle mm -hmm. and then tied it. Because really at that point, I was like, I don't think that we need to like wait till it falls off. Like it's cold, dead. Like there's nothing in this thing. <laughs> and it just seemed kind of uncomfortable for Olek, you know? So, so I, we burned it off and we tied it and then we froze the placenta. And Very we're going to yeah, we're going to bury it. <laughs> That's so neat. That I, we did a cord burning with both of my daughters as well, which I just love as, you know, a ceremony. But I will say we did it, you know, like I birthed the placenta and then we probably did it like a, a couple hours later. So yeah, the umbilical cord I think was, it's so fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I bet the umbilical cord was thinner for you when you did it if you you waited mm -hmm. that long because it was it's so thick you know at the, like at the beginning even with all of the blood out of it it's like it yeah. takes like it's like a campfire you know it takes like yeah. 10 minutes to, to get it, it to is. burn all the way through it actually took a while for it to burn through we were like oh I kind of thought this was gonna be quick right <laughs> no. also like, kind of like a weird thing too you know like I've never like burned like any sort of like fleshy material <laughs> right. it's a little weird but um <laughs> you know it's the best option because it sanitizes everything so um and Oleg was just like asleep when we did it so it's okay <laughs> yeah it's a really it's a really fascinating little ceremony and I like it because I feel like like with in my experience I was able to have my midwife be involved and my best friend and, and yeah. Thomas and, you know, like, and yeah. my daughter was able to do it with our second baby. I love that. Like that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, oh my gosh, this, it's such a beautiful story and just a beautiful picture to imagine. And it seems like such a great way to number one, step into motherhood, obviously. And mm -hmm. number two, stepping into the postpartum phase and the postpartum yeah. journey, um, what was your an early postpartum like? And then of course, you know, I'd like to hear how things have progressed since then. Yeah. So postpartum was really great, actually. Um, I, you know, 
he was born in the summer. So pretty much after his first day of being alive, we spent every single day outside in the backyard in the sun and just like sitting there bonding. And um, I didn't do anything. Nick cooked everything. He cleaned. He just was a full support to me. And all I had to do was feed Olek and nourish him and pretty much during the night like if I was asleep and Oleg like needed to be changed Nick would do that but if he was obviously um needed to to feed then I would so we'd kind of like gauge like what is it that he needs and so if he needed to be changed Nick would just get up so I did get a lot of rest Mm -hmm. um I got a lot of rest during those first like the first month of postpartum because you know baby doesn't really do much other than sleep poop and eat <laughs> and we made like prepared food had in the freezer I had like a ton of um aloe vera and bone broth and just um congee and nourishing foods that were just going to help my body energetically heal from you know that extremely energetic event <laughs> and physically I felt really great I didn't tear um, I didn't have any bleeding, I mean, excess bleeding. And so that my, my body, I like pretty much stopped bleeding after like a week and I was pretty good to go. <laughs> um, and then my uterus shrunk back relatively quickly. I would say it only took like a couple of weeks. Like I was still a little bit puffy, but, um, yeah, after a couple of weeks, I would say my body was like really, uh, quick with healing. Cause I think I just you know, I rested and nourished myself. I increased my calories like quite a bit. Uh, we have never used a bottle with Olek. And so the only thing I used was like the Hakka. Mm-hmm. And I used that to like catch the milk fault, mainly because I was like engorged completely. <laughs> and like, I, I had like overproduction of milk. So we did save some in the freezer and but I, I've never pumped. So it's mostly just been the, you know, I've been exclusively breastfeeding him on demand since he was born and, um, and we co-sleep. So that made things easier too. Cause I'd have to get up through the night, like kind of like self-serve little <laughs> like, <laughs> machine. Not a lot over. of thought has to be put into that. It's just like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that, that was really helpful. Um, you know, I, my parents came to visit and they cleaned and they, they just were, were here as like a, a support and stuff. But other than Nick, like we don't really have many people around. So I didn't like have a village of people helping, but I think that that would be helpful for most women to have, you know, and Nick and I work together. We work from home. Nick does m- more work than I do now. Um, <laughs> But so, I mean, I had him and, and that was really, really helpful in the healing process because I could really depend on him when I needed like to shower <laughs> or I needed just like a moment. And so he was super great. And now I feel wonderful. I mean, my body has healed incredibly. I would say that the stress that my body is under now and like metabolically that I have to mitigate through diet and stuff is normal. Like there's no way around that because I'm, you know, feeding on demand. I, we still co-sleep. And so Oleg, whenever he's up, I'm up and no nursing him. And so there's certain things where it's just like, you just can't get around that in motherhood. Um, But I think 
diet and getting in um, enough nutrient dense calories is has been very helpful for me. I think that's huge. And I want listeners to understand what you mean when you say like upping your calories, because when I was, I was looking through, I don't know if it was a highlight or something and Mm -hmm. you discussed the amount that you were eating Mm -hmm. and it was like, wow, when you put a number on it, that's pretty, that's a pretty big number. (laughs) But I mean, but you look amazing and it's so clear that all of those calories are going to work for your body and for your baby. So what are you like, what calorie, you know, range are you trying to go for as a nursing mother? So anywhere between 3,000 and 4,000 would be optimal for a nursing mom. It really depends on like your stress load in the beginning. And most of my postpartum, like up until maybe a couple of months ago, I was having 4,000 calories a day. Now I'm probably having anywhere between 3,000 to 3,500. Some days I'm having 4,000. It really just depends on like the day and what's going on. And if like I've walked a lot, if I've decided to do some Pilates or weightlifting or or something like that, which I've only recently started to implement is exercise because, and I think that's really important to women to understand is that you do not want to add exercise. You don't want to add another stress on top of other stress if you are not healed and not just healed physically, but energetically. Like if you don't have that extra energy to give, then you shouldn't be spending it on exercise because it's only going to set you up for failure in the future, not just fertility wise, but just your health, like your bones, your teeth, your skin. I mean, people ask me like about my skin all the time. I'm like, I just eat food. (laughs) Sounds crazy, but like food <laughs> that really, I mean, cause your, your skin is your tissue. So when you're, you're depleted, you're going to see that on your face, you know? And that's like my number one indicator is like, when I see like lines on my face that are superficial, I'm like, Oh no, like I'm not nourishing my body enough. Like I'm not getting enough minerals. I'm not getting enough fat. Like I need to increase. Here. Um, so increasing your calories through those nutrient dense foods can look different for everyone, but, depending on your energy output, like how active your child is, like Olek walked at eight and a half months. He's literally running everywhere now. I have like a baby to a toddler, like overnight. And I was not expecting that. So some days I'm like, all right, I need a couple extra hundred calories right now um, to mitigate that extra, the stress. Uh, Foods like smoked oysters once you know fresh oysters if you can get them i wish i could get some more (laughs) um beef liver and bone broth and raw milk and uh, raw honey fresh fruits all of those foods are going to be extremely nourishing and most of them are higher in calories so it's going to help you meet those calorie requirements Right. And that's one thing I think it's important to recognize is like this concept of like, oh my gosh, 3,000 to 4,000 calories. Listen, if you yeah. drink some raw milk, you can get oh, yeah. that, I promise. <laughs> oh my gosh. When I was pregnant, I was drinking like half a gallon of raw milk a day. Mm-hmm. And most of my postpartum I was too. Now I'm at like two quarts, maybe two and a half quarts. <laughs> I mean, like I, I was drinking almost a full gallon and I mean, it was a, an expensive habit. I would say. <laughs> no, that is an expensive habit. <laughs> it is an expensive habit, but I would say that like, you know, if you think about all of like the, just the stuff that's useless that people invest in, like supplements for this and supplements for that, if you just took that and you like invested in like high quality meats, 
fresh fruits and raw dairy, like, you know, I think it would even out Mm -hmm. for like the amount of money that people spend on things that they think is going to work and doesn't work. Um, so, I mean, that's our biggest expense in life is raw milk. That's why we we really want to get a cow, but, um, yeah, I mean that in itself, like will skyrocket your calories and you add raw honey to that. I mean, you're pretty much set and it's so great for moms because especially if you can tolerate dairy, because, you know, having something you can drink through a straw is helpful, (laughs) especially while balancing like a baby. Mm-hmm. Drink your calories. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is that's such a great way to to perceive it. And then also, I just think about, gosh, how much do we have to spend in energy and emotion level when we aren't, you know, full of nutrients? When we when yes. we're nutrient deficient postpartum, what does that do? It causes anxiety, depression, you know, this cascade of negative emotions. Oh my gosh, how many people would pay their life savings just to avoid those things when they're there? Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is too, is like the postpartum hair loss and, you know, even postpartum acne that people get, like all of those things are, it's just, it's high estrogen, poor thyroid function. And and the way that you're going to help correct yourself is by balancing your blood sugar, um, feeding your thyroid (laughs) and feeding your body nutrient dense foods that it can use for energy. And I think it's a simple, it's a, the simplest fix that you're ever going to get is the food that you eat. Absolutely. And so we're tying this back to the, so we've gone through, you know, your pregnancy, your postpartum, but I know that you have such a heart and a passion for fertility as well. So as we're coming to the end of the podcast, I really would love for us to take a few minutes to focus on fertility. And, you know, we talked about a lot of different ways to heal your body at the beginning, but fertility specific, you know, what is it that you can recommend to, to mothers to be those who want to become pregnant? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the top things I can recommend is reduce your toxin load. So, you know, get rid of toxic, um, products in your home, your clothing, your bedding, um, your skincare, especially your beauty care, even if it's makeup, uh, you know, that's, those are things that people don't focus on as much, but I think that they're, you know, you can easily switch them. Um, reducing your estrogen load by supporting your thyroid function, supporting your liver with adequate protein, adequate carbs, you know, enough of these nutrient dense foods like the oysters, the shellfish, the, the grass fed beef, beef liver, bone broth, raw dairy, raw butter, coconut oil, fresh fruits, those kind of things, fermented grains, if you can um, tolerate them, that's going to be really, really important. So getting your nutrition in line um, with fertility, because that's going to take you throughout pregnancy and it's going to take you throughout postpartum. So, you know, you're not just like eating for preconception, you're also eating for life. (laughs) It's going to set you up for like the long game of motherhood, which is essential, is that you need to set yourself up for that because people think, oh, it's only important during pregnancy to eat well. Like, no, what are you going to do when you have somebody who needs you (laughs) and you've got nothing to give, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's super important to focus on too, is getting that foundational um, nutrition together. 
mineral intake. Minerals are extremely important for every function in the body. So you can get those minerals through food. Obviously, like our soil is depleted. It's not as rich in those minerals. So if you want to supplement, if you feel like you aren't getting it through enough through food, um, I would get um, a magnesium supplement, magnesium bicarbonate or a magnesium glyconate. And I would maybe try something like uh, shivajit resin, which is extremely beneficial, which I talked about in the beginning. Um, so those things could be really helpful. And, you know, getting yourself set up emotionally is really important because when you go from what I like to call maiden to mother, um, you know, you really shift from this inward focus on yourself to this outward focus on your baby. And the, a lot of the, you know, anxiety and depression around pregnancy and postpartum comes from like that lack of preparation in doing so and the lack of support. So if you need, if you need support from your husband or you need support from friends or family, voice that and line that up because that is essential for the postpartum healing process as well as the pregnancy process. Um, so I think those things are really, really important to address. Um, also iron in itself. So, you know, trying to reduce our iron overload and getting more bioavailable copper and those other minerals. So um, the shellfish is a really great and easy way to do that. Eating that a couple times a week will be beneficial. Um, and then, you know, really working on your relationship with your partner, because oftentimes, infertility is a, an emotional thing rather than like a physical thing. You know, it's the, it's an emotional block between you and your partner um, because some women want a baby, but they don't necessarily want it with that person who is making them upset. <laughs> mm. And I think that's something that's really overlooked. Um, and it doesn't mean that you, you need a divorce or anything. It just means <laughs> that, you know, work on your relationship with that person. <laughs> um, so I, those are my, like my top things for, fertility. Oh, those okay. are amazing. And I love that you, you talk about the physical and the emotional, you know, both aspects because it is all encompassing. It is holistic. And yeah. I know that you are going to have more and more fertility information coming out in the future. And I know that people are just already going to be <laughs> super interested in your information after hearing this podcast. So one more time, would you uh, let everyone know where they can find you on Instagram and any other places that they may want to check out? Yeah, so my Instagram is at Noelle Covery. The last name is K and then Overy, <laughs> which is so cool. <laughs> um, so you can find me there. Uh, my husband and I have our organic, non-toxic, anti-aging skincare, which is poofa free. And um, that's at Forever Healthy Hair, uh, where we have all of our products. And you can find our courses um, through that too. And in the link in my bio on my Instagram. And I am working on a fertility course right now, which I don't have a launch date for it, but it's definitely going to happen soon. But in the meantime, I do recommend our perfect thyroid course, which is, I would say, um, like a 
you know, a, a baseline, a starting point for anyone who is trying to get pregnant or is pregnant, is postpartum, pretty much for everyone. It's, it's helpful because it's really going to give you a good understanding of the body, um, how the metabolism of the thyroid works and how to nourish yourself. And a lot of that information will overlap with um, our fertility course. Amazing. Noelle, it was such an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't that such an incredible episode? As we head into this week's episode roundup, I've got a few topics that really stood out to me in our discussion. Number one, let's talk nutrients. Noelle understands the importance of supporting the body through calorie-dense, nutritious foods. In a society that is obsessed with dieting, bouncing back, and overall just starving yourself for the cute bikini pictures, Noelle shares what's really important. Nourishing yourself so that you can nourish the little life you're creating. Calories don't have to scare you. Food is good. It is good to eat. For fertility, for pregnancy, for postpartum, I mean always. You are worthy of feeding yourself. And next, I love how Noelle focused on the emotional, not only the physical. She discussed how unmanaged or unreleased emotions can be the culprit of many physical issues, whether it's too much bleeding or difficulty conceiving, we have to be sure that we're taking care of ourselves on all planes, not just the physical, because they are intimately connected, of course. And finally, with this tending to both the physical and emotional comes a level of intuition and trust. Over and over, we could hear this in Noelle's story, and in the end, it surely did not steer her wrong. Noelle had a beautiful free birth and a healing postpartum. Okay, my friends, I know we've covered a lot, and I think it's quite possible that you may have even more questions about healing and metabolism after Noelle pulled back the curtain on what's possible. So be sure to follow her for more information and healing, and that is all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.